welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everybody. It's Jessica. So glad you're here. My guest today is Lindsay Foley. Lindsay is from Northern California, and her story today will tug at your heartstrings and put a smile on your face when you hear about her family's resilience and determination to help her daughter, who is unexpectedly diagnosed with cancer, beat it, thrive, and keep the hope along the way. She's also a master pie baker and mom of four, and she's just incredible. A few years ago, I interviewed her sister, Julie Savage, who's one of my good friends from law school, talking about her muscular dystrophy. And Lindsay's perspective on life and wisdom is just as extraordinary as Julie's. So I'm so excited for you to get to know Lindsay Foley today. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Lindsay Foley today. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. So I have long time had hair envy for you. You have the <laughs> best hair. You are sisters of one of my good friends, Julie Savage, who's been on the show. And anytime you appear in her Instagram or in pictures or anything, I see Sister Lindsay and you have the best curly hair. Like absolute best. <laughs> really? Yes. Did you always it. want straight hair as a child? Because that's what I hear from curly haired people is like... If you have curly hair, you want straight hair. If you want, if you have straight hair, you want curly hair. <laughs> no, actually, it was crazy. I used to actually perm my hair all Ooh. through high school, and that was like my my thing that I did once a year. And then I don't know what happened, but when I went to college, it just stayed. And I don't. And I I probably straighten my hair once a year now because oh. I it's too it's too hard. It's too much. Yeah, too much hair. But you were like yeah. legit curly hair. It's not just like, oh, kind of wavy. Like you have legit curly hair. So you just have been blessed by the hair gods. Like this is really something. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I do have legit curly hair now. Yeah. And hopefully it stays curly as I continue to age. Yeah, absolutely. I have curly hair underneath and the fl- the top is flatter. And so it's like good for nothing. So it's just like yeah. it takes a lot of work to like straighten it. And it's just a whole thing. Well, Lindsay, I'm so excited to chat about motherhood. We're both moms of four kids and similar age range to my oldest is 12 and, but I have a baby. I have a one-year-old, so pretty fun, but I'm so excited to chat with you. You've been through quite a year and I'm really looking forward to diving in and learning more about your family. So can you just give a little background on yourself and your family, Lindsay? Yeah, so we have four kids. Um, my husband and I and our family, we live in Sacramento area, Sacramento, California. And our oldest, we have two girls and two boys. Our oldest is 12, and then we have a 10-year-old daughter. So Ada, Ivy, Flynn is seven, and Owen is three. He's our little terror and fun <laughs> toddler. Um, we, we've we lived here for about, in our house, I think, for about seven years now, and love the area. Oh, is that is that the toddler terror? That's the terror. There he is. We're watching him. So let's see what happens. That's the beauty of a motherhood podcast, Lindsay. Like business podcasts, they don't want to hear kids squawking in the background. Motherhood podcasts, 
doesn't matter. Everyone gets it. So it's just fine. So you and I have been mothers for about the same amount of time. And I have just learned so much over the course of 12 years. And I think what I, I mean, I talk to a lot of new moms who, who feel very similarly that they're, they're overwhelmed. They have high expectations. They think if they do this, baby will do this. Right. And when they don't do that, it's so, so stressful. And then by your second, third, fourth, many years in, you realize what matters more, what matters less. Tell me about the evolution of motherhood for you. Are there things that you used to like hold yourself to a really high standard or your kids? And how's that like mentality evolved? Oh my gosh. I was just thinking about that. Um, probably just yesterday or today, my three-year-old just potty trained and it was the easiest thing in the world. Was like, it? No. I mean, you know, issues here and there, but like, really, I didn't stress about it. Not the drama. The first one and my second even, I just remember like losing my mind when they wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. And I was like, no, you are two and a half years old. You need to be wearing underwear now and not going, you know, not using a diaper. And it was just like this, like this stress that I put on myself. Like, okay, it has to be this way. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I will potty train him when he is ready. And I finally felt like he was ready. And we even had to put him back in diapers for a second. And I'm like, I don't care mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Not even for a second. Yeah. There's no rush. There's no like time limit and time frame. So you just roll with it. Yeah. I feel like once you get to that fourth kid, you're like, sorry, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. do our best. Well, I have a parenting hack for not changing wet sheets and it's to put your kid in a diaper while they're sleeping until they're like much older and like fully in control of their bladder. And yeah. you know, my friends are like, wow, your kid's like four and they're still in a diaper overnight. I said, yes. When's the last time I changed wet sheets? I have not. Yeah. And and they wake up dry most of the time. Yes. But it's just that safeguard and it just is easier for me and we're not doing that battle and they're building confidence of like, see, you woke up dry again versus see, you woke up with the clean sheets again. I'd rather yeah. have them wake up with a clean diaper than clean sheets and then then we phase out and that worked great for us. You know, you just got to do what works best for you to eliminate the drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you get to sleep through the night yeah. and not have to wake up. Yeah, for sure. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Potty training is one of my least favorite tasks, and I have all boys, and so I don't have a comparison of genders, but it has never been easy. It has always been, they work towards the potty treat, they get the potty treat, and they go back to having accidents once they earn whatever they earn. And it's just like, can I do this again? I don't know. So that gives me a lot of hope. Thank you very, very much. So another thing you're, you're really good at is baking. You're the pie lady. How did you become the pie lady? How did you figure out how to make pies? Oh my gosh. So I have always loved pie crust, huge fan of pie crust. And when I was younger, I would, when I was 12, around the age 12, I asked my mom, I was like, Hey, can you teach me how to make pies? I didn't necessarily love the filling of the pie. I liked the pie crust with a little bit of fill, like a little bit of filling on there. I agree. And, um, and so she taught me how to make pies. And then I got to the point where I started making pies for Thanksgiving. Let's be honest, they probably weren't that good at that time, but my mom didn't want to do it, so I did it for her, and I got to the point where I'd come home from school, and I'm like, I want pie crust. So I would come home, and I would just make pie crust and, like, roll it out. We call it them pie crusties. Roll them <laughs> out and put cinnamon and sugar on the crust. So good. And just, that's what I would do. We wouldn't even make pie out of it. Yeah. And, you know, everyone loved me for it. So, yeah, probably five years ago now, 
I had been helping a friend with her home-based business and she does like yummy treats and bars and and I was like well I could do this with pie because I wanted to do something I wanted to do something for me like mm-hmm. I wanted to have my own I didn't I hated office work like uh, the jobs that I've had I just hated going into the office it's just not me I like to kind of have my own little freedom I have a really hard time sitting for too long and so um, I wanted to do something and I did childcare. I had you know watch friends kids and get paid for that and I did not enjoy that either so I wanted to do something and I was like well I think I might try to do pies I saw how my friend ran her business and I'm like I think I could do the same thing with pies so I got licensed I actually brought my sister that you interviewed a while ago she um, lives down in the Bay Area so when her son was getting baptized for our church I she asked me to bring pies so that kind of was like the fire like I yeah. I brought pies down for the all the dessert and it kind of exploded then I'm like okay I'm gonna do it so I got my license I um and so for the past four years maybe I think it's five years now I'm uh-huh. not even gonna try and remember the date but I um have started grow I've grown my business into a really fun crazy home-based pie business where I do all the pies from home and um, people just come and pick up pies for me or I go to events I I'm starting to grow now that things are kind of hopefully settled down a little bit with my daughter's health um, then I'm trying to get into some farmers markets and do all that that is so cool what is your most popular pie and what has like surprised you about pie baking oh my gosh oh wow it's so my most popular pie is my salted caramel apple. Like Ooh. that one, I think I sold. So last Thanksgiving, I, I tracked all of my, I tracked all of my, my orders. I sold over 600 pies. I sell most of them frozen. So people bake up. I have about five freezers in my garage. So I can like start stockpiling. Wow. And I know, I know it's crazy. So, I mean, you should see my kitchen during the holidays it's no joke yes huge bowls of apples just sitting you know we I have friends that come over and I'll pay people to come help me cut apples and um or I had friends volunteer they're like I just want to come help you because it sounds like so much fun that Um, is amazing yeah so that was like my signature pie I think I sold over that was like 250 of those over Thanksgiving um and it's just crazy. I just think about when I first started the business, um, how it's just been really interesting. I love how how my business has evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started, I remember my first big order. I, I deliver pies to the Bay Area to my sisters. There's a group down there that order. And I remember the first time I, I had an over 60 pie order. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? I don't know what I'm doing. This is This is way above what I've signed up for and I was freaking out and then I figured it out and there's been a lot of there has been a lot of bumps along the road like yeah a lot of like having to go back and be like okay I gotta change how I work this but it's been it's been amazing and the people that I've met doing this business like all of it I can't even I mean there's sometimes where I want to like not stop but like can I just sleep for three days yes can I cook Um, something else (laughs) yeah just for a second like if I have to cut another apple I might tear my hair out yes but um that's only during the holidays I really get it that way but um it was just seeing 
how when I started to now it's just been it's just amazing good for you my signature pie is what I've deemed the crapple pie crayon apple but oh. that's my crayon apple crapple pie is what I bring every Thanksgiving and it's not fancy but boy is that delicious so I just I love that and I love that you could identify you know the things that you enjoy in you know working and things like that and having something for yourself but then also challenging yourself in new ways like scaling a pie business is no joke i'm sure so that yeah. is really incredible and now that we're speaking on the friday before easter and i'm thinking oh my gosh you gotta you gotta get back in the kitchen so <laughs> we'll keep this moving oh uh, well that is so wonderful well, Lindsay, I want to talk a lot about your daughter's journey this last year. You mentioned she has had some significant health struggles. Will you tell me about how you found out that your daughter was sick and what that was yeah. like? So it was it was such so crazy. So last May, um, my kids all do swim, and they were at a swim meet. I think it was their first swim meet. And she dove into the water, and she came back, and she was like, Mom, my, my shoulder – look, my shoulder looks weird. It kind of popped a little bit or not even popped. It hurt for just a second when I dove in the water, but then it's fine. And I looked at it and we're like, oh my gosh, her shoulder looks like it's dislocated. We're like, does it hurt now? And she's like, no, it just had this, like, it looked like a little golf ball on her shoulder. We're like, hmm. What the heck is that? So, um, my husband, after the meet, she finished the meet, but she was really scared to like really do the strokes of her. I was like, Ivy, if it doesn't hurt, just just keep going. We're, if yeah. you're probably fine. It's probably just a muscle. Anyway, she, my husband took her to urgent care after I'm like, we need to go get her x-rays, you know, just to make sure there isn't an unpainful dislocation. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd never mm -hmm. heard of that, but maybe it's just not painful for her. My husband took her to urgent care. They took x-rays. They're like, no, it's just, it's, it looks like just a hematoma or a hematoma, like a goose egg. Yeah. They're like, just go home. Ice it. It'll probably take a few days to go away. Just, you know, just ice it. It will be fine. So we go home and she religiously iced it for like, I want to say like two weeks. Didn't change. And she's like, mom, it's just, it's not, it's not going away. But I'm like, is it painful? She's like, no. I'm like, okay, let's just keep our, our eye on it. So we, I think it was probably May, June, probably about a month where I'm like, okay, this isn't going away. Let's, we need to go to the pediatrician. So we go to the pediatrician, and she looked at the x-ray. She's like, yeah, I think it's just a hematoma. It doesn't look – nothing was shown in the images. I'm like, well, this isn't – this clearly isn't right. This this can't be normal. Um, we need to do something more. Like, we need an MRI. We need to know what is going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. So she sent me – I got a referral to go to an um, orthopedic surgeon. So we go to the orthopedic surgeon, and he um, – he was saying the same thing. It looks like a bruise. It doesn't look like, you know, it doesn't look any, it doesn't look suspicious. Let's do an MRI just for a peace of mind. I'm like, okay, great. So that was probably in June. And he's like, it will probably take a couple weeks to get scheduled because, um, you know, of COVID or just insurance. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So a couple weeks go by. She's freaking out. She's like, I don't want to do an MRI. That sounds scary. She was nine at the time. And, um, so she's kind of freaking out all summer and I'm like, okay, well, I'll let you know. Every time the phone rang, was that the doctor scheduling the MRI? No, I be it wasn't. So we just, I'm like, let's just enjoy our summer. But then we never got the call until August. So it took all summer to find, I think I even called the orthopedic surgeon. I'm like, we still haven't heard back about the MRI. Finally, 
school started, I want to say right after school started, we got the call. To, so she started school on a Thursday. We got the call that she needed to come in for an MRI that Monday. So we went to the MRI. She was terrified, but she did really good. I got to go in there with her. And we thought we were done. Like we thought, okay, good. We're, the journey is like, it's going to be nothing. So we get a call that day from the orthopedic surgeon. They're like, we need you to come back in. And we're like, there's, there's nothing. Like they're just probably coming in to tell us it's, it's fine. It's just a muscle that needs to be, you know, looked at or put back into place. That's honestly what we thought. So, um, we go back in and the orthopedic surgeon starts going over the, the images. And then all of a sudden he starts throwing out the word cancer and we're like, wait, what? And, you know, of course we don't, you know, he didn't know for sure. He's like, we want another follow-up MRI. And so poor Ivy, I'd already sent her back to school. And when she came home, I told her, you know, you know, my husband and I were just like, you don't even, you can't even fathom when you hear that word. It's just, when you hear the cancer word, it's like, it doesn't seem real. Like I just, I remember just like sitting in the office and you just kind of like, you don't even, your emotions aren't even like hitting the surface that like you have no idea how to like register that. And so, um, when Ivy got home from school, we're like, okay, they just want to do another MRI. They want to do it with contrast. So, um, we scheduled the other MRI, the next MRI. And they're like, they want to sedate you this time. They want you to be asleep because, um, they can't have you move at all. She did really good in the first one, but they're like, they want you frozen in this one. And she was terrified to do that. So a week later, she goes in for the MRI. We do the MRI. And while she's still coming out of the sedation, the, the anesthesiologist said, I need to talk to you. And she pretty much said, you know, there's a cancer in your daughter's body. We need to get her. They have an opening in the hospital right across the, the street. Um, they want to do testing right now. And I was like, wait, okay. Okay. So a poor Ivy had fasted and I'm like, okay, let's think of all the things that you want to eat right after this. What, you know, what, cause she had a fast, mm -hmm. what, what milkshake do you want to get? And while she's coming out of sedation, we're like, okay, Ivy, we're going to actually go to the hospital to do more testing. So that was a nightmare. They did CT scans, MRIs. They did bone aspiration, bone marrow aspiration. They did, um, blood work. I mean, she was a hot mess. It was so scary. She's having a major panic attack. So all of that, you know, and, and we still were not believing that something was wrong. So she mm -hmm. goes home and she recovers for a few days, goes back to school. And by this time we're like really preparing for something big. And we, I was originally planning to go to my sister to Southern California that weekend after she, the next weekend after my daughter had the MRIs and the CT scans and everything. And I told my husband, I'm like, why don't we all go as a family and just make it a big trip and go to Disneyland. So the following week on September 2nd, Ivy, my parents picked up all the kids. Like they went to school and my husband and I went to the meeting by ourselves with the oncologist. Cause we didn't, Ivy's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to be there for it. I remember the first thing the nurse told us was like, why isn't your daughter here? She needs to be here for all, all of the appointments from here on out. And I'm like, Oh yep. She definitely has cancer because <sighs> she told me that right away. You know, like she needs to be here. 
So yeah, they, they sat us down and they went over her report and said that she has a cancer called Ewing sarcoma. So that's where it started. And, um, and it's been a really crazy journey. Sorry. I, that was very long winded. No, thank you for sharing that. My, yeah, my eyes like just kept repeatedly welling up with tears. Then just picturing sitting in that room and going from having like a normal life one day and then sending Ivy back to school and being like, you know, kids have bumps and bruises all the time. She's an active little girl. She's nine years old. And it's just like, how can life flip on a dime like that? And, and I've talked to, you know, lots of people who've been in situations where they get the cancer diagnosis. And it's like, it's one thing for you to know you're the one about to like gear up for battle, being on the outside and sending your child into that spot that is a different kind of torture, Lindsay. And I'm just so sorry, obviously, for her. But also, I mean, it's just, it becomes a family battle, doesn't oh. it? Oh, my goodness. I just remember when, well, when we told her, they were at the park. My parents had taken them out to lunch. And we already knew we were going to be surprising them with a trip to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Because we knew by this time, by this time, I was pretty certain that it was mm-hmm. cancer. And I'm like, we need to just celebrate, do something. Not celebrate that she has cancer. Yeah. But, you know. Distract. Distract and be together. Hey, everyone. It's always hard to jump in in stories like this, but I did want to thank a show sponsor, which makes Extraordinary Moms podcast possible, and that is Parent Educate. ParentEducate.com is the go-to provider of research-based online parenting courses. Have you ever felt like you wish you could go back to school and take classes on how to be a great parent (laughs) or to learn the things about nutrition or what's developmentally appropriate? Well, all of those same classes that were originally taught just to early education majors, well, now those that same content is going to be available to parents and it's so amazing each online course only takes 20 to 30 minutes and each every course is available 24 7 you can enjoy them at your own pace and whatever you're curious about whether it's behavior development nutrition play safety and more there are 100 plus engaging online courses offered at parededucate.com you can sign up for monthly quarterly or annually for as little as 4.99 a month There's new courses added every month as well. And you guys, if you're ever feeling like you're ill-equipped in a certain area of your parenting, check out Parent Educate to see if there's a course on that. This is a great last-minute gift as well because their subscription can arrive in minutes for whoever you give it to. It's perfect for holidays, baby showers, or simply a thinking of you gift for a mom you know that is struggling. ParentEducate.com is offering 20% off the first month of a monthly subscription plan for listeners of the show at ParentEducate.com and enter code EMP at checkout. That's 20% off the first monthly subscription plan. I'd love to hear what courses you decide to try. Thank you, ParentEducate.com, for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to it with Lindsay. So you're leaving the doctor's office and you have to break the news to your daughter. So what do you say? And the first thing she asked was if she was going to die. And I'm like, like, what do you, Yeah. and then, and then what's going to happen? And so we had to tell her, well, you're going to have to do chemo and you're going to have to do this and surgery and you're going to lose all of your hair. And I mean, she just, this little girl, it was, it was so gut wrenching. Like I can't even like. Yeah. Yeah. Hardest thing ever. Right. I mean, I thought that was the hardest thing ever. It continued getting hard. (laughs) Harder. 
So what, yeah. So what was that next step? So once you came to terms, you were able to go to Disneyland and at least. Okay, so we said, okay, we're so sorry. This sucks. This is the hardest thing ever. But we're going to Disneyland. And she's like, that make it better? (laughs) Yeah. We're gonna jump in the car. The car's packed. We're going to Disneyland. And we cried the whole way down. And we were. You know, I just, I told Ivy, I'm like, I would take this from you in a heartbeat if I could. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I wish I could, I could take it from you and I, I can't. And that was, that has been the hardest thing is I can't say, I know how you feel. Mm -hmm. I know. I understand. I 100% understand. Like I can't say that to her. And that's been very, very hard. But, um, we went to Disneyland and, you know, she had a blast. My sister and her kids joined us and and her family. And we just had so much fun, lots of tears with me and my husband when they would go skipping off and we would be staying back with the baby, a lot of hard times. And then got back and we had a huge, not a huge, but a party with her closest friends. We did a hair dyeing party and all the girls dyed their hair (laughs) um, pink. Well, she got to dye all of her hair pink. Her sister dyed the tips of her hair purple. I had a, a professional come over and do her hair. We had a celebration and then she started chemo the next day Mm. and she got surgery with her port, started chemo. And then, um, and then that was a whole other, whole other issue of craziness. Yeah. How do you prepare your child knowing and yet not knowing a lot, right? Like, you know, it's going to be hard. You know, they're going to be sick. You know, there's going to be hair loss and fatigue and nausea, you know, all of these things. And yet you've never walked this road before. So how do you, and this is probably change your perspective in general about doing new things and, you know, envisioning what will be right. Like, so how do, what have you learned about kind of going into, going into things or what surprised you? I don't even know what to ask. She would ask a lot of questions, hard, hard questions. And I learned my husband and I, Scott, we were just like, we finally had to start, we had to be honest with her, you know, but honest, we had to be honest, but not brutally honest. You know, we, she would ask us questions and I would tell her what the doctor said, but I would have to, I would have to modify it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would tell the doctors, you know, she doesn't want to be here for this meeting or she wants to have AirPods in. And then I'll tell her, Mm-hmm. whatever she needs to know. Mm-hmm. But we, we told her, you know, yeah, you are going to lose your hair and you're going to be really, really sick. And the doctors are going to do a really, they're going to take really good care of you. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We had some amazing experiences through this whole journey. Like, first of all, I mean, I, I could talk for hours, so I need to like watch the time, mm-hmm. but she was re-diagnosed. So halfway through, not even halfway through, two cycles into her chemo, the doctor was like, oh, she actually doesn't have Ewing sarcoma. She has clear cell sarcoma. Mm. Totally different. Crazy rare, crazy, crazy rare to begin with, even more rare in pediatrics. So what do you do with that information after she's done two rounds of chemo and they had done an MRI? They're like, oh, the chemo's working. It shrunk by 28%. This is great. And then when we started switching all of her information, I wasn't impressed with her doctor. So we were we wanted to go to a specialist over at UC Davis. So we were in the process of switching everything over when UC Davis calls and was like, um, we reread the MRI and the tumor wasn't, did not shrink at all. In fact, you need to stop doing chemo right away. 
like don't do any more chemo. So we had that to deal with. It never mm. was like a smooth, it was never smooth sailing. Like I, I talked to other cancer moms that I've met through this journey and they were like, oh yeah, we would do our week on a chemo week got You know, there was this regimen that they would follow, but it was never that way with Ivy. She would mm. get sick and then wouldn't be able to start chemo and then they re-diagnosed her and then it was crazy and I just remember where I was sitting I was working it was during my busy season and um and I continued working during this whole time too everyone's like how are you doing this why are you doing this I'm like because if I just sit around I will go crazy Mm -hmm. what I need to keep things as normal as I possibly can but I remember I was working and I got a phone call from UC Davis and that's when the nurse was like yeah, the tumor actually didn't shrink at all. And I was like, wait, so she lost all of her hair for nothing. The chemo wasn't effective. I mean, how do you tell your daughter that? Like, I'm sorry that you probably didn't need to do chemo. You were so sick and your hair, you know, we shaved her head because her hair was all matted together and her dad shaved her, his head. She let, (laughs) she got to shave her dad's head and her her (laughs) little brother. Um, (laughs) She asked me to do it. And I was all for it, and I chickened out. <laughs> She's like, you're like, don't do it, never mind. Like, I chickened out, but then the kids were like, no, don't shave your head, Mom. <laughs> and it's, oh, that That's not a sign. Sci- that, that Love is not conditional on hair. So, you know, you just, I sometimes know, you got to. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, she had to go through all that stuff and, and then got re-diagnosed. So that was hard. And then she did radiation. She did. Um, five weeks of radiation and these doctors, these radiation um, therapists is what they're called. were absolutely amazing with her. And Mm -hmm. just, they, they brought her gifts when she finished because she was so scared and they put little, I have pictures of, she had little mustaches, like little stickers. And I have pictures of all of them with little mustaches on and her, Mm -hmm. like she got to the point where she was really comfortable with them. But I mean, they just made things so amazing for her. And, um, and so she did radiation and once radiation was done, she got it. She finished just before Christmas. So we had a big celebration with her friends again. They got to go see a movie and Christmas and COVID hit our family. Oh, and darn. I know. I know. And then, um, just before in January, she had surgery to remove the tumor, um, the end of January. So just before, just before her tumor removal, we went skiing. We did a ski trip. We went up to the snow because my girls love to ski. I and mean, we don't do it very often, but they they just enjoy it so much. And so we did a big family trip up to the snow and went skiing and just played in the snow and had a great time. And then she went in for surgery to remove the tumor. And um, that I think that the surgeries and the tumor removals have been the hardest for me. I didn't realize maybe I was just suppressing so much. And then it all just came to a head during surgery. I just fell apart um, because they took out the, the tumor. She, I mean, she looked like Frankenstein after all of the surgeries. With they, She had 100. After her third surgery that they finished in February, she had um, 100 stitches in her shoulder and 50 of her back. They took skin and muscle from her back and pretty much flipped it over because once they took the tumor out of her shoulder, there was a hole. Mm-hmm. And so they needed to fill that in and put more muscle, put muscle in again. And I mean, it's amazing what doctors can do, but, and she's had amazing surgeons. They just love her and are amazing with her. But that in the hospital was very difficult for all of us. I mean, she, she got sick. So she had her surgery. 
then a week later, the doctor called and was like, I didn't get clean margins. So when they take out the tumor, they have to test the tissue. They take a little bit of tissue around too. And he's like, I took out two lymph nodes as well. All of her scans were clear, by the way, before, before surgery, like everything looked good. Nothing looked suspicious. She had to do all this stuff. Um, there's just so much Mm -hmm. to say, but pretty much they went into surgery. We went into surgery pretty confident that everything was looking really good. So they took out her tumor and then he said he didn't get, and two, two lymph nodes. And he said, you know, there's lymph nodes right next to the tumor. So I just grabbed them. I just took them out. And those lymph nodes had microscopic cancer in them. And so that was, he's like, so we need to come back in a week later and he's like, I want to get get in there again and take out margins. So pretty much she had a wound vac for those that week, those two weeks. So she was like a closed, it was, she wasn't really closed up. She just had a wound vac. Yeah. So we went back in for another surgery. And then after that second surgery, she was in so much pain. And um, then she got sick and um, with a fever. And um, so we had to take her back to the hospital because that following Monday, Saturday, she got a fever she was supposed to have her reconstructive surgery on Monday. And so she's in the hospital Saturday with a fever and the diarrhea hits. So she's like, can't move, fever, sick, getting ready for surgery. It was a nightmare. And um, they got things good. You know, she was okay to do surgery. Total mess. She was uh, just so anxious and up all night crying and once she fell asleep she had like a dream that she was falling and her arm twitched and so that caused major major pain I mean she's just sobbing and I'm like oh gosh Ivy I'm so sorry and then when she had the reconstructive surgery she had to be in the intensive care unit the PICU for a week because Mm -hmm. with the new muscle they had to test it every hour to make sure that the blood was flowing and she was still sick she lost so much weight they had to a feeding tube in her so this during that time was when my my mind started really falling apart and that's when the doctors were like well um there's not really a protocol we follow for clear cell sarcoma so we're gonna have to you're gonna be a part of the decision making on what we do moving forward like we could do chemo we can do radiation but chemo and radiation are known not to really do anything for her type of cancer. So we're like, well, what do we do? So while she's healing and sick in the hospital, we're trying, we're all this new information is given to us. Like we need to be a part of this decision of what we do moving forward. So she was in the hospital for three weeks, um, this, the second time and, um, or the last time. And during that time, I just, every time I came home, I know I listened to your podcast. I listened to some church podcasts that just, I just couldn't fall asleep at night. We, my husband and I would switch each other out. We had people watching our kids, my parents, my sister-in-law would come down. Like we just shipped them out everywhere. It, it just, we couldn't, you know, we didn't, we weren't able to um, be there. You know, my husband also still had to work. So it was like one of us would be in the hospital while she was healing. And I mean, it was, she looked, she looked like a Holocaust victim for a little bit because she had lost so much weight. So all of that, I mean, my imagination, my, my thoughts were like, what is going to happen? And so we made it through that, had so many experiences. I mean, I just, I can't even begin to express like my gratitude for our huge village of people that I don't know and that I do know that just 
carried us and have carried us through this this ordeal. I mean, she's home now. She um, she's doing awesome, and we're just kind of doing a. They call it. This isn't what they call it, but this is what our surgeon call it. We're kind of doing a watch and wait hmm. because they don't want to go in and do. There's no evidence of disease right now, mm -hmm. um, but they're just going to scan, do scans and keep their eye on her and just hope, you know, nothing wow. comes back. Yeah. So long-winded. Sorry. I don't wow. know. <laughs> oh, that is gut-wrenching. That is gut-wrenching. And I think what sounds to me to be the hardest is you get great news and then the great news turns out not to be great. And you could just kept having that pattern of hope and then having it ripped away. Hope and then ripped away. And oh, yes. that had to be such a hard cycle for, for all of you to process in your own different ways. That has oh. got to be so, so hard. So how did you keep hope? How did you keep believing we can do this one more day, one more step, just one step at a time. How did you keep going? You know what? Um, you know, I'm a religious person and I was very angry. I had some moments of being very angry at God for a lot, a, a long time. And, um, not a long time, but you know, just like, I felt really, really abandoned and I felt like I, my family had been abandoned and, and then I started having, and I had friends even like, Oh, this is, it's, it's okay. Like, it's all part of the plan. I'm like, no, no. That's not, I've, I've been told many times, that's not what you say. Yeah. I can't hear it. Like, it doesn't let me be angry. I have to be angry because I don't know how to process all of this. <laughs> but then, like, especially when we were during, during her surgeries, especially, we had, I had people with my pie business still going. Like, people would call, like, hey, can I order some pies? I'm like, yeah, when do you need it? I'm in the hospital right now, but, you know, uh, I'll be home in a couple days. And I had one guy, I was, we, our family was in a local, we did a, a photo shoot story for mm -hmm. a local magazine. And, um, so the guy called me from, he had seen my, gotten my number from the magazine and he called ordering to order pie. I'm like, Oh, you know, sorry, I'm in the hospital. And my daughter just had surgery and he, uh, he was asking about it. And he's like, well, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. He's like, can me and my wife, you know, we read the Bible every morning we get up and pray and it's like, can we pray for your daughter? I'm like, um, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. I would love it. He's like, what specific things do you want me to ask? I'm like that she will be healed and that the cancer will be gone. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, she's coming. She's being added to our prayers. And I didn't even know this guy. We don't even have share the same religion, which is fine. We don't share the same religion. I just have people starting to just show up that and things that happen that I can't for my things that were happening. Um, how do I even word it? Um, things that happened when I needed it at that very moment, I realized, okay, I have not been forgotten. Like things that I needed, I felt like I was about to completely lose it. Mm. Um, I would have a, an experience happen and I just like, okay, have like God hasn't forgotten mm -hmm. me. He is completely aware of me and my family. And I just, I literally had to hold on to those moments during those times. Like anytime I would start to feel like I was falling apart, I would just be like, okay, just remember this. Like you had that experience. You're not forgotten, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom calling me one night 
and I was working because I'm like, I came home and I'm like, I just have to work. I have to get my mind off of things and just put a show on to not think about anything. And, and then I started the, the, the feeling started bubbling and I was like, felt like I was starting to lose it. My mom calls me and I remember like trying to like, just play it cool. And I was like looking at the, the measuring cup. I'm like, just second mom. I'm just trying to like, look at how much key lime juice I have <laughs> while I'm like starting to lose yeah. it. And I was like, try- and Ivy was home at this time. And I was like, or no, no, it was my other daughter. And I was trying to be brave. And I was like trying so hard to just hold on. And I was like, mom, one second. And I go out into the garage and I just lost it. I was like, I can't do it, mom. I can't. I don't know how to be a mom. I don't know how to be a caretaker. I don't know how to help my daughter do this. And I don't know how to get through it. And I don't know. I was just, oh gosh, it was the worst feeling ever. Mm-hmm. Just feeling so helpless and not knowing. So, but then, you know, I feel like we've gotten stronger. Um, yeah. Do you? Yeah. I do. I do. And, and it probably helps too that Ivy's doing really good. She's out of her sling. She's started physical therapy. She got to go back to school because they're not doing any treatment. They're like, we'll send, yes, send her back to school. And she right. has been thriving. And I think that just having a little bit of normalcy back, I was like, we need to have normalcy. Mm-hmm. We need, I started really pushing, you know, that's one thing, this whole journey, I've learned how to really advocate for my daughter and she's learned how to advocate for herself too. And we're like, she needs to be back at school. Mm-hmm. Like, and our principal's like, okay, in a couple of days, I'm like, nope, tomorrow. <laughs> she needs to start tomorrow. Like as soon as we got the green light, we're like, no more homeschool through the hospital. Like they had a homeschool teacher. We're like, she hated doing it. She hated Zoom. And she's like, mom, I want to start school. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And so as soon, that's really helped, like getting out of the hospital and, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at right now. She's learning to use her arm again, has to do lots of physical therapy because she can't really lift it above her shoulder. I've signed her up for swim. I'm like, okay, I don't care. I signed her up. I'm like, we're going to just try. We're going to do our best. And the, 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 the head of the swim team is like, that's fine. She can just do paddleboard if she can't use her arm yet. And so that's, that's what we're doing. She signed up for soccer. I'm like, we're getting back into it and we're going to just do our best to make things normal again. Because no amount of waiting around or more Googling is going to change what will be right. And so as terrible and as, you know, when people say like, oh, it's, it's for a reason and everything will work out and like the sentiment is always good. But I've never heard that landing well with somebody in the thick of it. So that is something I've removed oh. from my, you know, sentiments oh. that I would share. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but definitely showing up, right? Having people show up for you and not retreat because they don't know what to say and risk even saying the wrong thing. But being, right. you know, showing up and saying, like, I'm still here. What do you need? And, and just doing things, right? Because when you're in the thick of it, you can't even often communicate what you need. Oh. Right. That's it. That's, that's one more thing on your to-do list is be like, Oh, I need to call so-and-so to say somebody needs a ride or somebody could use a play date. Right. Just oh. do it. Well, that's what we did right at the beginning. I, one of my, my clo- a really close friend of mine, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter's best friend's mom was like, okay, Lindsay, I am your point of contact. Mm, love that. You come to me. Cause I had so many people texting me. What do you need? What do you need? I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know. I right. don't know what I need. I just, I'm still trying to process the fact that my daughter has cancer and you know, and so she became my point of contact. She came over. She started up this huge meal thing, meal train, and people were just all of a sudden. I 
this, this has been crazy. Like people would just Venmo me a hundred bucks, 500 bucks. Like here, take your family to dinner here. This is just, they, and, and we're like, we don't, I don't know if we need that money. You know, like we don't even know what our hospital bills will be like, but people just started bringing dinners twice a week, three times a week. Um, they just signed up to do it. Natalie took care of it. She was like, okay, your kids have rights to school every day. They have rights home. We're taking care of it. Lindsay, don't, they would go grocery shopping for me. Mm. They wouldn't let me pay for it. Her dance. I mean, that was like, I felt I'm a very independent person and that was very hard for me. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, I can't, I can't take all that. That's too much. And, um, now that we're in a, you know, functioning, I feel like we're functioning again. Her dance teacher, this amazing, amazing lady owns her dance studio and was like, I want to do a fundraiser and Ivy's best friend's mom. They together, cause they do dance. Ivy's best friend and her did dance together and her mom, her friend's mom and the dance instructor put on this huge fundraiser for Ivy mm-hmm. and did a dance, like dance instructors or sorry, dance classes, food, raffle prizes, huge. And she was thinking like, we'll bring in a few thousand dollars. They want to send our family on a trip. They brought in over $5,000. They're like, this is for your, someone donated American girl dolls. Someone donated. I mean, it was amazing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like they just, Tanya, her dance teacher, was like, you know what? She's a cancer survivor too. And she's like, you know what? She's like, I was spoiled rotten during my cancer journey. And (laughs) it doesn't matter if you need the money or not. We want to send you on a vacation. This is for your family. Ivy deserves it. She has been through hard things. And so it's, that's kind of been this journey too. Like, wow, people have really showed up for us. And, and you could probably remember times when you've shown up for people. And if they, the recipient had said, Oh no, 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 no. You don't need to bring that. Don't give me that pie. Don't bring me dinner. Like I don't need anything. You would have been like, what's left? Like what else? Like I, I want to help. People wouldn't offer. And so it is, it is a talent saying yes. And in, in receiving oh, that because it's a so gift to hard. you and it's a gift to them to be able to do that service. So. Lindsay, your story is so incredible and inspiring. And I think what is powerful about this particular time that we're speaking is it's not quite done, right? Like the, the next chapter is yet to be written and yeah. it could go a lot of ways. But I love that you're choosing to live in a moment and in a space and time where you're just trying to find that normal, live your life, make the memories let your kids be kids and what will be will be but you can at least know that every single day you're just showing up one day at a time and I think that is without a doubt the healthiest way and if you were to look back on this time you'd be like I'm so glad we did that I'm so glad we went to Disneyland I'm so glad we just let her go to school even if she got that cold and it was like took her down for a little bit like she'll 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 come back right and I just think that's so amazing. I wish I lived near you so I could have one of your pies, really and truly. If you come to Southern California, bring me one. I will. Actually, I'm coming to Southern California on the second okay. for a cancer mom retreat. Hook me up. Hook me I up. Sure, okay. I will. I will. Text me. I, I want a pie for sure. Yes. Lizzie, yes. where can people find you online? Where can people follow along with Ivy's journey? We want to see her succeed and heal and just your whole family do that. So where can people follow you? So I kind of have combined my business account also with Ivy's account. Cause I just, I felt like my community became so big and I wanted like the people that follow me to kind of know what's going on in my family too. And so 
because I feel like it, it's just more being more real with people. I don't know. It yeah. Just, it helps me to talk about it and to process with people. So, and I have met some of the most amazing people that have come up to me to buy a pie and be like, I'm a cancer survivor. My son had cancer, you know, just all this. So I decided to share it, keep share her information on my Save Pies account on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then I also, um, I also do journal updates every once in a while on a site called Caring Bridge. And you mm-hmm. can just look up Ivy Foley, but I haven't really updated that as much. But yeah, yeah. I update, as, you know, on Save Pies, my Save Great. Pies account. Great. And um, and if you're in the Sacramento area or Bay Area, I you have can a pie. hook you up with the pies. All 600 yeah. will get you 615. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Well, since you are a podcast listener, Lindsay, you know the final question that I always ask my guests. And so I now I want to ask it to you. Lindsay, what would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh my gosh, I've been thinking about this a lot because I was like, what would I tell my pre-motherhood self? And I came up with it today that every journey for mothers is different, looks different for every mother. Okay, let me start over. Every mother's journey is different, 100%. And it's different with every kid too. When I had my first, I thought, oh, it's going to be like this. And it's something I have to remind myself all the time, but I really, you know, we thought we knew it all before we had our kids. Like, oh, they're doing it that way. Wrong. I'm not going to do that, you know. <laughs> but every every journey looks so different, and and I have to keep reminding myself of that with each child, and um, just treat everyone as their individual. And I don't need to be like so and so mother. I don't need to be like my mom. I don't need to. I can be me. I can parent my kids how how we need, how they need to be parented. Yeah. So I, I heard on a podcast one time, everybody gets what they need, right? Mm-hmm. Every child's going to get what they need. And so sometimes yes. it doesn't seem fair. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes the kids might compare, but everybody gets what they need. And I love yeah. that. That's mm-hmm. so great. Lindsay, your family will be in my prayers. I am so Thank excited you. to follow along and just see Ivy continue to heal and grow and thrive and swim and do all yes. the things. But thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to Lindsay for sharing her story today. I hope you'll follow along with her family's journey online and everything's linked at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. We are rooting for you guys, your whole family, and just pray for clean bills of health from here on out and just that things will be smooth sailing and clear as you make decisions going forward. So grateful to all of you for listening today. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalkwas3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.